Hi, and welcome back to the Voice First Roundtable. This is episode 14. Today is Wednesday, December the 12th, 2018. This is our last episode of the Voice First Roundtable of the year. It's been a great year, a lot of interesting things going on, and thank you for listening to this show. I want to talk just for a moment about the Alexa Conference. The Alexa Conference is coming up January 15th through the 17th in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, which is home of the fastest internet in the United States. Uh, most people don't know that. It's home to a surprisingly robust and growing tech environment. Most people don't know that either. Um, we're excited about it. It's the third year of the show. Amazon is supporting it as the platinum sponsor. Nolan Bushnell will be speaking. Gimlet Media will be speaking. Soundtown will be there. Uh, Amazon themselves will be giving a major talk. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So uh, Microsoft will be there. That's another one we just announced. Uh, Epson. Uh, a lot of great companies, a lot of interesting people doing interesting things. If you're working with Alexa, thinking about working with Alexa, your company has charged you with figuring out what the heck to do with Alexa, you should attend. Uh, the website is www.voicefirst.fm slash Alexa conference. We are very pleased to have Nico Vori of Drive Time. Nico, say hello. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. Nico, I'm thrilled to have you on the Voice First Roundtable. I'm thrilled to be able to sort of unpack what you and Drive Time do. You've got one of the most interesting companies in this young voice space. I want to start with just allowing you to introduce yourself and share with me and the audience, uh, in your own words, what Drive Time is and what y'all do. Sure, happy to do so. So yeah, uh, hi everyone, I'm Nick Avori. I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Drive Time, um, and we are the world's first uh, gaming company uh, for the driver of the car. Um, we see voice as the most natural form of interactivity that you could have in a car. In fact, the only form of interactivity to be, to be safe. Uh, and so we are developing games and other interactive entertainment, uh, specifically targeting the 110 million uh, daily commuters in America who drive to and from work by themselves. Um, commuting is obviously a huge time sink. Uh, it's an average of about an hour a day back and forth uh, for those 110 million people. Uh, it's about two and a half billion hours uh, spent every month in the car, which coincidentally is the exact same amount of time as Americans spend playing mobile games. So we're talking about a massive, um, just a massive amount of downtime uh, that's currently being consumed by passive audio. Uh, you know, radio, FM, AM radio is still the primary use case of the car. Um, you know, obviously you've got Sirius XM in there, you've got some podcasts, you've got obviously streaming music, but all of those are, are, are passive uh, forms of audio consumption. Uh, so we're asking the question, why not make it active? Why not make it uh, interactive? And why not offer games while you drive? Um, and so that's really kind of our starting point. Um, we have uh, a mobile app out there. Uh, we've taken the approach of being what we call platform agnostic so that we're not tying ourselves to any particular uh, um, uh, voice platform. Uh, right now, we have an iOS app out there. So if you have an iPhone, you can go and download it in the App Store. Uh, Android coming soon. Uh, but we're not going to limit ourselves to those. You know, once... Uh, Google comes out with, uh, you know, Android Auto Assistant, which they're working on right now, or uh, the Echo Auto device, hardware device that uh, Amazon's working on right now. We're happy to, to, to go into those platforms too. 
you just you well i'll start here you just uh last month rolled out your first game um in that announcement was made in tandem with closing a four million dollar funding round which is fantastic congratulations for that share with us what the deal is with this first product of yours this first game um what is it uh why'd you choose to start with that first yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you for, very much for that. Yeah, we, we closed the four million round uh, in the summer. We just announced it uh, in conjunction with our U.S. launch. Uh, we had been in soft launch in Canada for um, kind of the latter part of the summer, and things were looking great. So we figured we'd roll it out to to the United States, which is our primary market. Um, the the product as it is right now, as I mentioned, is a is a is an app. It's a mobile app. Uh, it's going to be uh, iOS and Android, iOS only at the moment, but Android coming soon. The uh, basic philosophy we have is to kind of take the Sirius XM route uh, and offer not just one game, um, but lots of different games. We know that people are um, diverse. Uh, the 110 million commuters who are driving to and from work themselves every day uh, aren't all going to be into the same thing, the same kind of game. And so our vision from the very beginning has always been, hey, we want to be for everyone. We want to be for this, this big group of people who are currently underserved uh, with by, by interactive entertainment. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're going to be offering all kinds of different kinds of games and interactive entertainment. The first product that we have, or first game we have, uh, is a trivia game. It's a general knowledge trivia game. We figured, hey, everybody, or not everybody, but many people uh, are into trivia. Trivia is a very kind of recognizable format. Uh, it's already being... Uh, offered in in a kind of a limited way through your your typical drive time radio shows, uh, you know, hosted by DJs, where you have the phone in format where people are kind of calling in and answering questions. Um, so that's our first product, our first channel, as we call them. Um, we have actually launched a second channel very recently, uh, which is kind of just a test uh, to test the multi channel approach, and that's blackjack. Um, so you can just go and play blackjack while you're driving. Um, and uh, coming soon will be a would you rather type game where you're kind of answering questions and how well do you know your friend type thing. Um, and coming in Q1 is our kind of next big boulder beat, uh, which is going to be interactive storytelling, narrative fiction, um, uh, kind of like a telltale games type format, except just, you know, audio only. So you're kind of going on a uh, story driven adventure where you're making choices and those choices of consequences. Um, so that's that's where we are right now. I'm going to ask you the obvious question, and that is, are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Uh, I'm presuming you are referring to the, the safety aspect of this. Um, yes, yes. So absolutely. Let, let, me, let me sort of make it a little bit more specific. <clears throat> Obviously, what you are doing is a new concept. Um, at least I believe it's a new concept. I, you know, people have been gaming in the car for as long as electronic games have existed. It's just not the driver. You know, uh, passengers have been playing, you know, like Game Boy and on their phone. And, um, you know, and then there's, there's been, uh, and of course, everybody's familiar with games that people play in the car on road trips. You know, you got the mental image of a family playing games together and saying stuff out loud. Uh, and perhaps that's what you're evoking. But um, in general, I think it would be fair to say what you're doing is pretty new. And my question is, is broadly, you know, somebody asks you about safety in an investor pitch, somebody asks you about safety, you know, uh, in a meeting or something, I'd love to hear 
uh, your spiel on that. Um, but I'm also wondering if there's been any sort of research on the relative cognitive load uh, on the driver of, you know, listening to the radio versus listening to a podcast versus playing one of your games. And uh, if there's a significant difference there, if there's any research at all that's been done there, I, I'm just curious. I'm, I'm fascinated by what you're doing. I, I think that uh, a lot of times we are quick to stigmatize things uh, that maybe or, or we sh- shouldn't have rushed to judgment on. Um, talk to us about your take on safety and, and what you know so far about this versus other stuff. Yeah, great, great question. And obviously, that was the very first question we asked ourselves. Uh, you know, is this is this wise? You know, yes, it now can be done. Um, this hasn't really been possible until literally just this year when speech recognition um, technology has become good enough that it can be offered, you know, via cloud uh, API um, over cellular data connections while you're driving to a smartphone app. You know, a lot of things have had to happen for this to be possible, technologically speaking. Uh, but just because something's technologically possible, should it be done? Uh, so that was our, our kind of starting point. Um, and if you look at the research into distracted driving um, and, and driver safety in general, to your point about cognitive load, uh, there actually has been research done uh, on this. And there's a couple of uh, studies in particular that, that I always cite. Uh, one is a Stanford University study from 2008, and then the other is a uh, Ben-Gurion University study uh, of Israel uh, from 2009, um, and then there's others too, but those are kind of the two seminal ones that uh, that uh, I like to refer to. Um, and what the research shows is when you have these kind of, um, they're, they're called alertness um, maintaining tasks or AMTs uh, in the kind of academic speech. Um, when you're driving uh, and you're uh, offered um, an additional task, whether it be playing trivia or listening to the radio or having a conversation with a passenger, um, what the research finds is that it's actually safer um, to have these types of uh, alternate tasks as long as they're the right level of interactivity. So you don't want to be, you know, you're not playing Call of Duty while you're driving. That's not a good idea, uh, even if it is hands-free. But what you are doing, and, and safely so, is playing something like trivia or going on an interactive story. Uh, where you're presented with interaction points at the right cadence. Um, and so that's that's really, when we say we're for the driver, we're actually designing specifically for the driving use case. Uh, and instead of making voice games for everyone, whether they be on smartphone, uh, on smart speakers um, and the car, we're saying, no, we're actually specifically for the driver. And what we're doing is we're designing these to be in line with the best practices that these alertness maintaining tasks, AMTs, um, have been found to be safer in, in the research. Uh, so that's, that's really where we're, we're, we're starting from, is we're saying, hey, we actually think that this is safer. The research finds that it is safer if you have the right level of, of, of uh, interactivity. Um, and one of the, the, the key things, which hasn't been researched, but which we are hopefully, I can't announce to the partners yet, but we're hoping to uh, embark on a uh, our very own academic research study in partnership with a, a top university, um, what we think is we're going to actually end up double dipping into the safety. And these are not my words, uh, double dipping. This, these are the words of the potential research partner. Um, we think that this is doubly safe, not just because of the alertness maintaining tasks, which are basically keeping you alert for longer while you're driving and, and not having you drift off, but also preventing you 
from actually doing the unsafe interactive things that people do while they're driving, which is, you know, answering text messages, scrolling your Facebook feed. Um, some crazy small percentage of people are playing Candy Crush Saga or other games while they're driving. Not a good idea. Um, what we would do is because you're having this kind of fun, interactive uh, form of entertainment that is safe, voice only, hands on the wheel, you know, eyes on the road, um, you're not then feeling like, oh, I need to go and browse my Facebook feed or I'm going to have to go and answer this text message. Um, so that that's our position. Um, research supports the first half of that. We believe that we're going to find that, that research is also going to support the second half of that, which is the kind of the preventative uh, side of things. Um, and we think that this is one of those obvious things in, in retrospect where you're going to look back on, you know, 2018, 2019 and say, hey, yeah. It makes sense. Why wouldn't I be playing games while I drive? That's some very interesting food for thought right there. I could see that being true, uh, what she described as double dipping. Um, yeah, if there's some idiot out there playing Candy Crush Saga while they're driving, they need to be arrested immediately, not for using their phone while driving, but just for downloading Candy Crush. it's it's a good game but you know what it's it's all about context right that's that's really what it is i mean if you you think about so so i've I've been in the gaming industry for a long time um and you know i worked at zynga back in the good old days when we were still building on myspace and facebook um founder of a mobile gaming company um previous previous to this uh, and now building voice games so i've been building games for many different contexts and many different uh, kind of times of day and that's really that's really the way to think about this is human beings are are born to play games uh, you know we have been playing games since the very earliest you know the, the stone ages uh, we're social beings and we play games with each other and against each other and if you think about the 24 hours of the day um you know, well, maybe not the 24 hours because you're probably not playing games while you're sleeping. But, but you know, think about the, the, the waking hours of the day. You are playing games and games have been developed for every single moment of that day. You know, whether it be on mobile devices or tablets or PC gaming or console gaming, um, you know, social gaming. Um, you're playing games every hour of the day. Uh, the only hour of the day that you cannot, up until now, play games is, is while you're driving. That, that kind of that two and a half billion hours that Americans are spending in their cars. Um, to me, as a games guy, like, it makes no sense that we wouldn't want to play games during that, that time. We wouldn't want to be social and interactive and playing with and against other people. Um, it, it just requires the right context, requires the right game design. It requires the right um, kind of thought process to, to bring the right types of games um, for that for that time, and that's 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 what we're doing. So we're we're hopefully being very thoughtful about this. We're we're you know on a scale of zero to hundred on on interactivity. Um, you know where hundred is you know the most intense session of Call of Duty multiplayer that you can imagine, and zero is you know not interactive at all. You're you're listening to the radio. You know we we're going to index on the lower side of the interactivity scale. We do not need nor do we want to to develop games that are too intense uh, for this for this experience so we're probably somewhere on a 10 you know like it's it's like having a conversation with somebody where the passenger is doing most of the talking and you're just occasionally answering um, that that's how we're thinking about this you mentioned <clears throat> playing games while you're asleep which is funny i have actually dreamed uh, that i am playing tetris in my sleep this is not a joke and when it happened, I Googled it because I was, I was like, wait, what the, 
what was that? And and turns out people dream of playing games in their sleep. Um, and it's a pretty common thing. That's just a separate side note. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, your points are, are well taken. Um, let me ask you um, about the economic model of all of this. Um, is it that you're... Um, because you know the economic model of things like a candy crush, you're dealing with microtransactions. Uh, that's where a lot of stuff has shifted. Um, is, however, a lot of stuff that's on voice, like narrative fiction and things like that. You know, there's a one-time fee. You know, I think a lot of the earplay stuff is one-time fees, and um, you know that seems to be a prevailing model in voice right now. What, share with us about the economic model that you see for these games in the car. Yeah, great question. Um, we, uh, I mentioned at the very beginning, you know, we're kind of looking at SiriusXM um, as uh, as a company that's doing things well. Um, they're primarily targeting the car. Um, they have partnerships with with car dealerships and manufacturers. Um, they have 150 different channels. Most of that is kind of uh, entertainment based, um, with Howard Stern, of course, being the the biggest name um, on Sirius. Uh, their model is is subscriptions. Um, so the, you know, you, you give away a certain amount of content for free uh, for a certain duration of time as a kind of like, hey, let's let's tease this and, and get you excited about what what's on offer. Those 150 different channels. Um, our model is our you know, our economic model down the line is is very similar. Um, so we we see ourselves as being subscription based. There's a certain amount of content that's available every day for for free, uh, or perhaps it's for you know. A couple of months trial periods, and then after that, the subscription model kicks in. Um, we also have a secondary uh, opportunity to to monetize, and that's through advertising, um, radio, or uh, radio advertising is a twenty billion a year uh, industry. It remarkably recession proof has continued to grow at a little bit faster than GDP growth for decades now. Um, that twenty billion is primarily generated uh, in the car. Uh, the commute hours, in particular, are the most valuable time of day. It's a captive audience. If you read any radio industry report, that's what you're going to find. Captive audience, those two words everywhere. Um, if we're successful in what we, you know, what we're trying to do, which is capture that commute hour um, and have people not be listening to radio and have them come over to drive time and play games and go on interactive entertainment adventures, um, then by definition, that $20 billion is going to have to shift from radio, FMAM radio to drive time. Uh, because these are big brand advertisers and they they have to reach this audience. They're going to continue to want to reach this audience. Uh, it's very valuable. Um, so those are the two models. Uh, subscriptions being the, the, the most attractive one. Um, you know, if we're doing our jobs right and we're producing content that's uh, appealing to a large enough audience, um, then they're going to want to subscribe. Um, but those that don't, we have a secondary uh, path to monetize and that's through uh, advertising. Excellent. Good to know. Uh, and my last question for you, um, which I'm just, I'm curious, I, someone in your shoes with this business model is going to have some thoughts on autonomous cars. I've done a lot of reading on autonomous cars. I find them very interesting. You know, there's a lot of diverging opinions on when we're going to get autonomous vehicles, uh, self-driving cars. Some people think it, it could be very soon. Uh, a lot of people think it will not be soon at all and possibly way longer than anyone thinks uh, or, or realizes. What are your thoughts on autonomous cars and when we might see them? And 
how you have thought about the conception of your business around this sort of big fat question mark floating out there of autonomous cars. Obviously, autonomous cars is going to help your business. That's just more attention available uh, to play your games and more potential customers. Um, but tell me what you think about autonomous cars and how far we are away and how that's factored into your planning. Yeah, great questions. And it's one of the questions I, I do get a lot. Um, I, I love autonomous cars. I mean, once to your point, once autonomous cars are here, um, that just means that we can offer higher fidelity gaming experiences. Um, you know, the thing about voice games, you know, voice only games, audio only games is that they're lower fidelity. Um, they're not as exciting um, by definition because they don't have a visual component. Um, but, you know, that's that's what we can do in the car. Uh, and so that's where we're headed. Um, but putting that aside and, and kind of my excitement around being able to offer higher fidelity experiences for for autonomous car drivers. I don't know if they're even called drivers at that point anymore, <laughs> passengers. Um, but uh, putting that aside, I, I think just kind of at a macro level, autonomous cars are some way away from, from hitting the market. Um, if you look at electric cars, um, for all the hype that Tesla's generating, electric cars make up 1.7% um, of cars in America, uh, sub 2%. And they've been available as a technology and they've been actually you know, offered with incentives, government incentives, um, to, to consumers for decades now. Um, and they're still sub 2%. Uh, the average replacement cycle for a car period is about eight years. So even if we had autonomous cars tomorrow, widely available by all manufacturers, which you know, obviously is not true, uh, it would be about eight years before you know, the average American would upgrade um, to that. Now, maybe there's some pulling that forward because they're so exciting, they're so much better, they're um, you know, so superior. But nevertheless, you know, a car is a big expensive purchase. And uh, even with the superior, you know, superiority of autonomous, uh, it's going to be a while before we, we see that happening. So I think there's two points. Like I, th I do think that we're still stuck in this paradigm of you know driving our cars, having our two hands on the wheel. Yes, there's driver aids that are going to be more and more introduced. Um, you know, with with the, the braking, the safety braking systems, and um, you know self correcting uh, as you start to drift into the sides, things like that. But fully autonomous. I mean, my view personally is we're probably about two decades away from even having single digit percentage penetration. Um, I've said it here, I may be wrong, <laughs> but um, we're definitely a number of years away. Uh, and in that time, what are we gonna do? Um, so that's that, those are my thoughts. Y'all need to hurry up, I'm tired of driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, tell me about it. I know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of having to do all the work. Give me, yeah. does, it, does it for me. Here we are almost in 2019 and we're still doing all our driving in primarily you know, gas powered cars, which are the same that, that we've had since, you know, cars were invented late 19th century. So we're think, talking a hundred plus years of just the same technology. It's remarkable. It hasn't been disrupted. Uh, until it is. And it, it is. And I tell you, uh, Uber and Lyft and all the, all the rideshare stuff has really, I think, opened our eyes collectively, opened my eyes personally to what the world can be like when you're not having to drive your own vehicle um and it's exciting so i'm yeah i'm i'm right there I'm, I'm i'm squarely on that bandwagon for sure and if you'll indulge me just for one moment so you sure. mentioned uber and lyft and i think that's 
those are remarkable um, service models. Um, what's what's really interesting about Uber and Lyft is people ask me like, oh, you know, isn't car ownership on the on the decline? Aren't you know people using Uber and Lyft more? And now with the line bikes and scooters and all kinds of other things, uh, the answer is. No. What's what's been really interesting is car ownership continues to to grow, um, and what's driving the and and the commute times are actually increasing, not decreasing. Uh, and, and it's somewhat counterintuitive, especially to somebody who lives in you know San Francisco or LA or in in a, in a big city. Um, what's been happening with Uber and Lyft and all these kind of you know ride sharing and, and other alternative technologies that you know let you get around is that the, it's happening in city centers. Um, that's being disrupted tremendously. So taxis obviously are pretty much out of business now. Um, and there's lots of different ways for you to get around inside a city center, uh, whether it be on a scooter or an Uber or a bike or, or whatever. Um, what is driving the longer commute times and the car ownership is the fact that city centers are getting more and more expensive to live in. Um, and so people are actually moving further and further out from city centers into the suburbs and, and you know, increasingly to the exurbs. And these kind of ultra commutes are, are growing to so people who are commuting more than one and a half hours each way. Uh, that's what's driving uh, car ownership. And that's what's driving the longer commute times. And that's what's driving the opportunity that we see. Um, you know, this this idea for drive time actually came from me personally moving from San Francisco city center to the East Bay Um and going from biking and walking and, you know, basically getting around uh, inside the city without really having to get into a car ever, or certainly not drive it myself, to now being one of those 110 million commuters who's driving over the Bay Bridge every single day and realizing, oh, my God, like, this sucks. <laughs> There's got to be something better to do while I'm driving uh, than listening to the same podcasts and radio shows and, you know, streaming music services that, that I was listening to every single day. So, so that's... That's what's actually driving this 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 trend, um, which to, to many, especially people who live in city centers and who don't commute every day, it's kind of counterintuitive that that this would be this would be the case. So I appreciate you letting me kind of go on that little tangent there, but uh, uh, that's that's one of the big trends right now, um, and and it isn't immediately obvious that that would be the case. Well, yeah, no doubt. And I I read a fascinating report, and I completely agree with this. It was it was a uh, academic. Uh, paper, I guess is what I would call it, um, basically saying that autonomous vehicles, you know, the, the thought process, the, the, the prevailing thought out there is that autonomous vehicles are going to reduce, you know, maybe they reduce car ownership. A lot of people think they do, as you pointed out. No, they probably won't. But a lot of people think that they will reduce the amount of time that you drive. And no. Uh, and, and furthermore, a lot of people think they will help the environment, um, you know, because with with climate change and with CO two emissions and all that. And and uh, this paper, uh, which I thoroughly agree with, uh, says that it, it, the opposite will be true. And it points out some things that I would definitely do myself if I. Um, so I live in Nashville, and Nashville is going through a huge population boom right now. A lot of people moving here. And uh, values to live everywhere are going up, um, and to get downtown is increasingly difficult. And so much so that it used to be, you know, fifteen to twenty bucks to park downtown. Now it's double that. It's thirty-five to forty bucks to park downtown. It's ridiculous. So if I had an autonomous vehicle and I had to go downtown for some reason, uh, if I had to drop something off, if I had to pick something up, if I had to do something. You think for one second that I'm going to park, uh, tell my autonomous vehicle to go park in a garage? Hell no. I'm going to tell it to drive around the block 
as many times as it takes until I am done and to never stop moving because the amount of gas it uses will pale in comparison to the $40 to park in the garage. Um, so it might circle the block, you know, 20 times. And then I come out, I get right in the car and I, I go back to where I live, uh, which is 20 minutes uh, south. Um, that's just one example, but I would definitely do that. Uh, I would I would tell the autonomous vehicle to do all sorts of things that are not in society's best interest, uh, but are, that are in mine, <laughs> you know, and yeah. um, it's, it's a lot of, it's very interesting uh, to sort of really uh, put yourself in, the, in that world where autonomous vehicles are possible and really critically think through how human behavior will change, because I think we're going to find out um, it's going to require some deeper thought than what's going into it right now. I, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think the other thing to think about here, you know, which is already a, a trend, as I mentioned, which is people moving further and further away from city centers. Once you have autonomous cars and you can actually reclaim that kind of downtime, dead time that you have in the car um, when you're driving, when you can't be productive, uh, if you can reclaim that, you know, because the car is driving itself, um, what do you think people are going to do? They're going to move further and further away where it's cheaper because they can now write email, um, you know, make phone calls, uh, which you can already do, um, you know, with hands-free, but you, you, you know, you're going to be reclaiming some of that time in the car to be productive. And you're not going to feel as, as awful about a you know, a one and a half hour commute as you would, you know, when you're not able to use that time for anything other than, you know, passive audio consumption. So I think that's the other trend that's going to happen. And that is that going to be good for the environment? Well, no, it's not actually, because you're now driving further and you're burning more gas or you're requiring more, you know, uh, electric power to, to power that car uh, for that distance and has to be generated somewhere. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think I, I think you're right. I think there's going to be some really fascinating, really interesting and unexpected um, things that are going to happen when human beings um, reclaim, for lack of a better phrase, that that two and a half billion hours they're spending in the cars every month now, like what now that you can use it for gaming or for productivity, you know, what's going to happen to actual human behavior where you live how you park, you know, what happens in city centers versus, you know, uh, suburbs and exurbs. A lot of very interesting questions that I don't think anybody has really thought through uh, or has a really good idea of what's going to happen. Nico Vori will join us at the first ever Voice of the Car Summit, which will take place Tuesday, April 9th, out in Mountain View, California, at the Computer History Museum. Really excited about that. That's going to be a really unique and uh, uh, value-added event uh, that, that will come at the right time when a lot of this stuff is uh, really coming into the fore. I'm really excited about that. Nico, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sharing uh, your experience, your expertise, and sharing with us information about drive time as well. We, uh, we appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being on this uh, show, and I look forward to seeing many of you in, in Mountain View next year at the Voice of the Car Summit. For the Voice First Roundtable, this concludes our 2018 slate of shows. Thank you for listening, and until next time.